it's Liren Baker, and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Molly Ford, co-founder of The Food Lens, an online resource that shares the best food, drinks, and events in Boston. Together with her co-founder, Sarah Jessup, The Food Lens gives readers a highly curated guide that will have you ready to devour the best food, whether you're local to the New England area or in town for a delicious weekend. I am excited to welcome Molly to the podcast. Hi, Molly. Hi, how are you? I am great. It's so nice to see you and meet you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nice to meet you as well. I'm so excited to come on the show. I'm so happy to have you. And I always start off by asking, what was the first thing that you remember cooking? Um, and about how old were you? Oh, wow. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is craft macaroni and cheese. <laughs> Um, I mean, if we're going like really, well, really, yeah. Um, I was obsessed with Kraft macaroni and cheese, so I ate it almost every day. At first, my mom was making it for me, of course, and I would always ask her to make it perfect. I would literally say, "Make sure it's perfect, mom." Oh <laughs> and my gosh! Then I started making it myself. Um, for a long time. I still love macaroni and cheese. I've graduated to Annie's. Um, Annie's but is awesome. <laughs> mac and cheese is one of my favorite foods. So that's probably one of my earliest food memories as a kid. I love it. My kids were asking me for Kraft macaroni and cheese because my husband bought the Velveeta the other day, which he thinks is the best. Yeah. Because the whole liquid gold thing. And she's like, no, it has to be Kraft. That's the best one. <laughs> my mom actually used to sneak Velveeta in sometimes. I don't know why. And I would always notice and be like, no, I want Kraft, mom. <laughs> Isn't it so funny? I think it's like the little clumps of powder that sometimes sneaks in there. And you're just like... <laughs> Yeah, so weird, but it's good. (laughs) So could you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you eventually found yourself in Boston? I actually grew up in San Diego, California, so a little far away from Boston, Um, but I grew up, you know, so close to the border of Mexico. So my mom and I would go down to Mexico for lunch, you know, very casually because it was only about 30 minutes away. So I grew up eating very authentic Mexican food, and it made me very curious about travel and culture in general. Um, And so in high school, I ended up doing a summer in Spain with host families, Um, so that made you know, me even more curious about different cultures and food and travel. So by the time it, you know, came around to apply to college, I wanted to do something different and go somewhere different. So I applied to Boston University and I got in, which was very exciting. So I just, you know, took a leap of faith and moved to the East Coast. Um, I had never been to Boston before. So it was very different. Uh, Yeah. Southern California and New England are very different cultures here in the U.S., but I really enjoyed it. Um, It was a very unique college experience living in the city, and Boston feels uh, European, and it's close to Europe. So I ended up studying abroad in Rome, which was incredible. Talk about, uh, you know, a great food city. Yes. And, um, you know, I ate all the pizza and pasta, drank all the wine. I took classes in religion, language, culture, food. Um, so that was an incredible experience as well. And throughout my years at BU, um, even in Italy, you know, I was always searching for some kind of resource to find the most authentic places, uh, to eat and drink. And my best friend and I, Sarah Jessup, um, were obsessed with this. So whenever we traveled, we would do research, you know, and basically we found the best 
the best advice came from local blogs rather than big, um, you know, crowdsourced websites. Um, so we, we did this all the time together, traveling, you know, all around the world, whether it was to Europe or Africa or, you know, we loved going anywhere and everywhere. So after I graduated from BU with a degree in broadcast journalism, I ended up moving back to California and working in sports TV. And so that's when I really got, um, you know, involved in content production. And it was really exciting. Um, I'm a huge sports fan, so it was a really fun job. Um, but then about three years in, my best friend Sarah and I just kept talking about this, this need for this kind of resource. So we decided to make it a reality, and I packed my bags and moved back to Boston to start what is now the Food Lens. Wow, what yeah. an adventure. That was, that was, I tried to make it brief, but that's not my story, I guess. That takes a huge leap of faith because, you know, when you're switching jobs, um, it's always risky, right? And not just switching jobs, but switching cities. Again, granted, you've lived in Boston before, but but it's a little scarier this time when, you know, your livelihood's on the line. So that took a lot of guts. Um, <laughs> so Sarah's back. Sorry. I think it helped that I was pretty young at the time. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're bolder when you're younger. I don't know if I would do it again, but all, all worth it at this point. Well, I love it too. And you're right. I mean, it's, it's so hard because when you go on certain websites, I won't name them, but if you go where there's reviews, it's really tricky because it was, first of all, it's so hard to be a business owner nowadays, and there's always a bad review for every good review, and people are just mean. <laughs> um, and I do think that gone are the days of reading the newspaper for a thoughtful restaurant review, for example. And for most businesses, they're not going to get that type of media coverage. So I think it's really cool that you can provide that on the food lens. Um, so Sarah's background is in hospitality, is that right? Yes. So she studied hospitality at BU and I studied broadcast journalism. So it's basically like the perfect marriage for it is. starting the food blends together. That is the perfect marriage. So how, how did you envision it at first? Did you just think we're going to focus on restaurants um, and that's it? Or did you already think we want to do the bar scene? We want to do, we want to go beyond Boston. Like what was the initial vision? Yeah, we definitely I uh, thought we would start with restaurants. Uh, we wanted to keep it as simple as a restaurant recommendation website. Um, and at first we wanted to do it everywhere, you know, because we love to travel. But um, upon moving back to Boston in 2016, we realized we should start in Boston because it's a smaller, more manageable city that we both know uh, very well. And we had watched the food scene change so much here. You know, um, there's been this crazy surge of unique independently owned restaurants um, opening in Boston over the last 10 years. And we did feel, especially at that time, that a lot of people still didn't know about these incredible restaurants. They were still going to more of the, the chain restaurants that's, that have been around forever. Mm -hmm. So we just thought it was really good timing. Uh, we thought the community here would love this kind of resource. But, you know, when we were building the website and building our team, um, and we were really, really passionate about building a team that was, you know, very involved in the food scene. Our team of locals is very in tune with what's going on here. Um, you know, the idea quickly grew and it went from restaurants to restaurants and bars and events. 
So we started assembling our team for the Food Lens in 2016, and we really wanted to take our time finding um, you know, our writers and our photographer because we really wanted to work with people who were super passionate and in the know about the food scene here. So we took our time to find you know, the, the few writers we started with and then met Brian Samuels, who is incredible and still does our photography. Uh, and then you know, another... Something else that was so important to us was, you know, we wanted to make sure we never accepted payment or trade for coverage at the Food Lens. And, you know, we're still very, very strict about that to this day um, because we want our content to be reliable and authentic, which, you know, is actually hard to find these days on the Internet. Um, mm -hmm. Someone's always sponsoring something and it's, you know, not the honest truth about where you can actually find the best lobster roll around town. <laughs> um, so that was really important to us upon launching our brand and, you know, the these this team of locals that we put together are so passionate and really know the ins and the outs of the food scene here. So we consider ourselves a really trusted resource for when you're trying to find, um, you know, the best food and drink in the area. That's awesome. So if someone wanted to be featured on the food lens, do they reach out to you or do, how does that work? We definitely get tons of people reaching out to us, uh, which we always appreciate because, you know, of course it helps put something on our radar that maybe we didn't know about or we've been meaning to go to. So I'll usually respond. Thank you for reaching out. Um, we'll definitely be sure to check out your establishment, but we don't accept any payment or trade for coverage. So, it, you know, it has to be incognito essentially. You know, we want to experience these restaurants um, as your as the average diner would experience them. So we can, you know, convey the experience, the truest experience, um, of that place. So that's very important to us. We don't want the red carpet treatment. Uh, and we certainly don't want, you know, to tell our readers to go somewhere and <laughs> have it be a big fail. So we take right. it very, very seriously. And, um, you know, the, the restaurant research has been in the works for years and years and years because we had started a restaurant Bible back in college. So we used that list and kept exploring and eating and we still eat out constantly. It's a true passion of ours. So uh, we're, we're very strict about our standards at the Food Lens. So how does that work in terms of, you know, reviewing the restaurant like incognito do you go multiple times or do you just go the one time and does brian come along for the photography and you're like yeah. hiding the camera <laughs> so a lot of people think that we're doing all of it at once which is not true at all um generally sarah and i and some other friends who used to work in kitchens and, you know, our writers, we're all out eating all the time. And if we have a really memorable experience somewhere, then I'll tell one of my writers to go back. Um, and usually I will go multiple times, uh, because we really want to make sure that this restaurant is consistent, first of all. Um, and so I'll send a writer back if I've been to a restaurant that I think deserves to be on the food lens and, you know, say, hey, order the lamb, order the Caesar salad, order the, you know, everything. And then the writer will um, give me feedback and write the review based on his or her experience. Awesome. Yeah. That's so it so takes a lot of time and research. Um, and then after the fact, we'll send Brian with a whole shot list um, because he's doing photography in a much more controlled setting, usually during the day when you have natural, a lot of natural light, you know, at a restaurant. So we can really get those, those beautiful photos without um, any artificial lighting. Right. And at this point now, the restaurant knows, yay, we're going to be featured. <laughs> yeah, 
Absolutely. We are, you know, for photo shoots, we're scheduling via email. So they, they definitely know we're coming in for those photos. Oh, wow. So much hard work that goes behind the scenes. It's quite the process, um, but it really does result in some juicy content. So it's important to us. Well, that's cool. It makes me feel better about knowing that it's truly vetted when you talk, you know, when you write about it. So that's cool. Yes, it's definitely highly vetted. And um, Mm -hmm. if you want more of that, you know, experience in the moment, I'm always putting my restaurant experiences on Instagram stories. So that's when you'll get the more, you know, here I am trying something. Um, and you know, I basically post stories every single day because I, I, every meal is really fun in my life. So (laughs) sharing everything all the time. I think you have the dream job. Yes and no. I would say the life of an entrepreneur is a roller coaster. So you have your highs and you have your lows and you have your, you're very confident one week and then you're, you're doubting yourself the next. So, I mean, I'm sure you can relate. It's um, absolutely a roller coaster of emotions. (laughs) It's not easy, but you know what? You love it. So you keep on doing it. Yes. I feel very lucky to do something that I love. That's for sure. So it took us about, I would say a year to build the team and the website. And we launched the website in uh, 2017. Wow. How did the food scene react to the food lens? Were they welcoming? Yes. Very welcoming. It was definitely nerve wracking to launch a project that is so close to your heart, but uh, you never know, you know, how people are going to receive it, especially all the trolls out on the internet. (laughs) It's kind of a scary world out there. Um, We were so grateful that um, it was really well received. Um, People loved the photography, of course. Uh, we work with Brian Samuels, who's a well-known food photographer here. And the, the in- imagery is just really stunning and, you know, speaks for itself when searching for a restaurant. Um, and, you know, we made sure that the site is very easy to navigate, um, but very editorial looking, very sleek, sophisticated. So people really seemed to like it um, from day one, but it's obviously grown and evolved since then. Um you know, we always have covered restaurants and bars in different capacities. Um, our event section was so popular when pre pre pandemic days, at least. The good old days. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we would handpick all of the best food and drink events that were going on in Boston or the Cape or surrounding areas um, because we felt like we never knew about these cool events that were happening. Uh, so that kind of came to fruition last minute on the food lens, but that was really popular. And we started an escape section, which are curated guides for eating and drinking when you leave the city. So destinations like Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Kittery, Maine, Nantucket, um, you know, all these amazing towns that are close to Boston and worth checking out because they're, they're actually there are great restaurants in these places. So we've grown a lot. Um, we, we started a podcast in, was that 2019? Um, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun. And we were interviewing different chefs, restaurateurs, sommeliers, um, a lot of different people in the food community here. And the show was awesome because we got to connect with all of these people in real life as opposed to on the website. Um, but unfortunately we did have to stop the podcast last year through the pandemic. Um, but we're hoping to pick it back up again. So we'll see. Yeah. You know, the, the pandemic has been tough 
for everybody. Um, and obviously the Food Lens podcast had to stop for a while. Um, the website, do you feel like things are picking up again now that things are opening up again? Yeah, absolutely. So we definitely pivoted when the pandemic hit to take out and delivery content. So that helped us stay oh. afloat in general. Yeah, we only were covering takeout when the pandemic hit because it was actually really helpful for people because all of these higher end restaurants who never used to offer takeout clearly started doing takeout and still do. So people had no idea though, who was doing it, who wasn't, what days, what hours, you know, it was all so confusing for months. Um, so we were doing all different kinds of takeout guides, like where to order Chinese food, where to order pasta. Um, and those were really well received and popular. But now I would say there has definitely been a spike in traffic uh, the last few months since the pandemic um, has been easing up. And so that's been really exciting to see. It's very clear that people are out and about again, and it's very exciting. Yeah, I noticed that too. I mean, for me, it was kind of the opposite. Like my traffic spiked during the pandemic because everyone was at home and cooking. Yeah. And, um, you know, now it's kind of back to normal, yeah, <laughs> which is I've great. I'm happy from, to see that. Yeah, I've heard that from some of my friends with baking blogs. Yeah. So... You know, all your work with restaurants and the food lens, has that impacted how you cooked at home? Has that changed anything? Yes, definitely. So um, I've actually never loved cooking. Uh, my partner, Sarah, my best friend and business partner, Sarah, uh, she cook, she's a really good cook. So she's always cooked for me. Um, and my fiance is a really good cook. So he cooks all the time for me. So I guess I just like to enjoy food. Um, yeah. <laughs> When the pandemic hit, I did have more time on my hands. Um, so I started cooking a lot more and I ended up enjoying it a lot more because I could take my time. I wasn't in a rush. Um, and it was really rewarding during that weird time in general in life to mm -hmm. start something, finish it and enjoy it. So I found myself, um, much more excited about cooking than ever before. And I don't know if you knew this, but, um, Last year, we were pivoting in every way. Sarah and I also were talking about how cool it would be to be able to cook uh, dishes from these restaurants that we love so much because we missed them a lot, you know? So fast forward to November of 2020, we decided to start reaching out to chefs and ask for recipes to create a digital cookbook. And that's how that idea was born. So we worked with about 40-ish chefs in the city um, to, you know, re for people to recreate uh, these Boston, iconic Boston dishes at home. So think about the Craigie Burger from Craigie on Main or the Double Awesome from May May, you know, all these delicious dishes around town. Um, and now you can make it at home. Yeah. And, um, you know, the book is never meant to replace the experience at a restaurant, of course. Um, but the chefs were excited to get their, you know, restaurants out there and their dishes. And um, the, the book was so well received. People have really been enjoying cooking from it. And um, we ended up, we're donating 10% of the proceeds to a restaurant relief fund just so we can continue to, to try to do our part to help because restaurants, you know, have been devastated this last year. Um, so that was a really, really cool project that came out of this crazy pandemic era for sure. Yeah. I remember Brian mentioning that he was photographing, uh, for that ebook and, and that it benefited mass restaurants United, which I think is such a wonderful thing to do. And 
It's great. It's just a great way to support the community, especially during this time. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it was, it's you know, really formed for me at least. And I've talked to other people about it. It makes you feel even closer to the restaurant or chef that you love because you spend so much time in the kitchen making his or her dish. And it makes you just want to go back to that restaurant even more and order like the whole menu. <laughs> so yeah. I think it really just, um, you know, the book reminded everyone how special our restaurant community really is. Yeah, it, it is. And then it also gives you an appreciation for what they are able to do in their kitchens. Cause you know, no matter how well the recipe is written, you know, you do it at home and you're like, it's just not the same. <laughs> so, <Exactly. yeah. laughs> so of all the recipes, and I know there's, there's 40 and I'm sure they're all amazing, but are there any that you keep going back to and making at home? Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually love to eat on the cleaner side a few days a week because I'm eating out a lot in life. I'm ordering a lot of takeout. Um, so I do like to try to eat vegetarian when I can. Um, I would say two days a week. Mm -hmm. So there's this, um, African stew in the book. Um, it's a chickpea and spinach stew and it's so easy to make. It's from Tawakal Halal Cafe, um, which is a Somalian restaurant in East Boston. And, um, it's chickpeas and spinach and tomato puree and garlic and onions and curry and turmeric and all mm -hmm. these spices. And it's just great to make a big batch on Sundays and have it for the week, uh, to nibble on. So in between all of my really adventurous eating out all week, I like to come back to a healthy stew. That sounds so good. And I've always wondered about that. Like when you have to eat for a living, essentially, like, how do you find the balance? Yeah. Yeah. I think it took me years to find a balance. Um, but growing up in San Diego, I'm certainly really, um, I really am passionate about fitness and nutrition. So, um, you know, I've always loved working out and I do love eating healthy. I think eating healthy can actually be really tasty. Um, you can do a lot with vegetables. So I would say I love to live my life in moderation. So just a little bit of everything, but, um, I mean, obviously I totally indulge far too often, but in order to maintain my, <laughs> my eating out schedule for my job, um, I need to, you know, eat clean. Right. So. No, I think that's a good approach for anybody, even if you're not eating for a living. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so is there anything that you miss from California now that you're officially based in the East coast for sure? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, I love Boston and what it has to offer. And I love New England and being able to travel to Maine and Vermont and, you know, all these incredible areas that are so close to Boston. But of course I miss San Diego where I grew up. It's a great beach town. Um, I definitely miss the authentic Mexican food that's harder to find in Boston because <laughs> we're True. a little farther from the border. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, all, uh, all of the California adventures are pretty cool too, like Mammoth and Mexico and wine country and Palm mm -hmm. Springs. So um, I would say both both cities and states have a lot to offer. And But I, I try to visit um, my family back there as much as I can. What's in the future for the Foodlands? Are you thinking, okay, let's start expanding beyond Boston or are you guys going to still stay kind of local for now? Right now, we will stay local just based on what happened this last year. Um, we want to get back on our feet and get back in our rhythm. But yeah, we've certainly talked about expanding, um, especially 
throughout New England um, and maybe more in those kind of second tier food cities. So cities might, that might have a very unique food scene, but might not be recognized for it as much as the New Yorks or San Francisco's, you know, of the country that have incredible food scenes, but also have tons of resources for navigating. Awesome. So if people want to find the, the ebook, for example, and all the resources on the food lens, where should they go? So everyone should go to thefoodlens.com and to find our new cookbook, you just go to the shop, the shop section at the top of the um, website. And otherwise, you know, you can explore all of our fun food content. Uh, we just released our can't miss dish for this month and it's a Vietnamese inspired lobster roll at this (laughs) (laughs) restaurant on the North shore. So it's a great summer field trip. Uh, you know, it's right next to the beach. So we have a lot of fun summer content coming up. Oh, that sounds so good. I just had Vietnamese food the other day, but a lobster roll with those flavors would be epic. Yeah, yeah, you'll have to check it out on the site. And then next time, next time you're on this coast, um, check it out. I cannot wait. It's been a while since I've been to Boston. I used to spend a lot of summers there because my dad had offices there. And so we would tag along and it's a great town. Just so much fun. <laughs> yeah. And I would say summer in New England is pretty special. Um, you know, it's yeah. It's summer weather year-round in San Diego, so it's really nice to have nice weather year-round. But when it when the nice weather hits here, it hits different. People are so excited. You're eating summer food like lobster yeah. rolls, fried clams, ice cream. You know, summer food is so much fun out here. So it's a it's a short window of you know warm weather opportunities. So people mm-hmm. really live life, which I love. Yeah, well, they appreciate it more. I was just talking to my husband yeah. about that because we were because we both grew up on the East Coast and we we're like, oh, Memorial Day here is so different from Memorial Day back on the East Coast. Like for us, it's just oh, it's just another day, just another <laughs> weekend, just a little longer. <laughs> but I feel like you really appreciate it when you have the season. So definitely yeah, summer. You got to pack it all in out here for every season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I just have some closing questions if you're game. Yeah. So uh, what's something that you make when you're too tired to cook and you just need a simple go-to meal? Annie's mac and cheese. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite. The grown-up the grown up craft. <laughs> so, it takes eight minutes. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you like doctor it up or do you just keep it to the book, to the box? Extra salt and pepper. Okay. Uh, what's the one recipe that you treasure the most? Hmm. One recipe that I treasure the most. I mean, most recently, I would say it has to be the lamb tagine recipe from our cookbook. Uh, It's from Sycamore and it was just, you know, tender fall off the bone kind of meat that was Mm -hmm. braised in the Dutch oven the day before um, with sherry and all these beautiful like curry, all these beautiful spices. So, you know, when it was a little colder outside, it was so comforting and delicious. Oh, that sounds incredible. Okay. Lunchtime couldn't come fast enough. Uh, Are you a messy cook or a neat cook? I'm a neat cook. Um, I'm actually a little OCD around the household. (laughs) So I'm always cleaning up after my fiance. So yeah, I would say I I clean as I go. Oh, good. Um, And what's a good kitchen tip that you can share? Hmm, A kitchen tip, like a cooking tip? Yeah. Or any Anything that's helpful in the kitchen. So it doesn't necessarily have to be just cooking. Anything that's helpful in the kitchen. Um, I mean, I guess I would say most recently, 
we received a very nice engagement gift. Um, it's a new knife set. I would say good knives in the kitchen. Oh, yes. Life-changing. So we just um, got a set of the Shen knives. Um, mm-hmm. They're incredible. They just cut like butter and it makes chopping your veggies and everything just a piece of cake. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you said that because whenever someone tells me that they don't like to cook, I usually tell them, go buy a good knife and it'll just change everything. It's so true. And like, besides obviously a high quality knife set, but sharpening your knives regularly is also game changing. Oh yeah. I've had many accidents (laughs) because of dull knives. So sharpen your knives. Um, I try to share every week, five little things that I love, something that makes me happy or made me happy during the week. Is there something that made you happy recently? Um, yeah, I love that question. Um, I would say this past weekend, we did a lot of cooking. Well, my fiance did. We love to host friends for dinner. I like to do a fun tablescape. Um, I obviously clean everything. He cooks everything. (laughs) Um, so, but we cooked a new recipe for friends, uh, which we don't like to do because we like to test out our, you know, recipes and cooking first. Um, but together we made a, um, this scallop, this seared scallop dish with bacon and pea puree from mm. Epicurus. And it was just bright green and lovely. And we just had some friends over that we have not seen in a very long time because of the pandemic. So I would say just that evening of catching up and seeing them was really special and made me really happy. And I would say that's what I've been doing the last month more than ever is just seeing friends and family from California that I haven't been able to see this year. And it feels just so special and amazing. Oh, here's to reunions. That's awesome. I'm glad yeah. that you're getting connected with everybody again. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very extroverted. So <laughs> I love, <laughs> love being around people. It helps with my own energy. And so this last year was, was very lonely. Oh, well, here's to no more loneliness for the coming <laughs> year. And so where can people find you online if so, they want to connect with you? Yeah, I would say follow the Food Lens on Instagram. Um, I run the account and I answer everyone's messages all the time. I probably spend way too much time on my phone, <laughs> but like yeah. I said, I'm extroverted, so I love communicating with people even on um, our social platforms. So follow us um, at the Food Lens on Instagram and check out our website, of course. Um, and if you want to shoot us an email, we have a message portal at the bottom of our website. Awesome. Thank you, Molly, for spending the time with me today. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was great to meet you um, on, you know, online. Yeah. And I hope to connect when I'm in California someday. Right. And if I'm in Boston, I will let you know. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Take care. Thanks. I'm so glad you were able to join us on this episode of Kitchen Confidant. Thank you again to Molly Ford for inspiring us to plan a trip to eat and drink our way through Boston. If you enjoy the show, please share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking.